We're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30, reading from the New Revised Standard Version. It says, He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. All right, amen. Y'all can have a seat. So, I'm not speaking today. If you saw my Facebook post, I'm so very excited this morning. Uh... For those of you who've been around for a while, you're familiar with the history somewhat here. Uh, if not, then I want to introduce you to Pastor Devin Walker. So, Pastor Devin here is, uh, I don't have any brothers by birth, yeah? But this man is my brother in literally every other sense of the word. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh, pastor Devin was the lead pastor at Grace Church after his father, Pastor Larry, uh, for seven years. A long time. A long time. Yeah. And uh, back in October, uh, he chose to step down and, and do something else with his life, which I'm also very excited about uh, as those things begin to come to fruition in the years ahead. But uh, he took a six-month sabbatical, and uh, he's still a part of our elder team. You know, a lot of times when, when pastors leave or step down, it's kind of ugly and, and a divorce. This wasn't a divorce. It was just a, a changing of roles. And uh, I personally have had a blast. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm glad to have you back up here. To this day, you're still my favorite preacher. And, Amen uh, to that. And, I, and uh, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. I appreciate right. it, brother. All right. Uh, there are all sorts of great changes that have happened here at Grace Church. Uh, there's one thing that I'm not a huge fan of that I need to ask permission. This is your stage. Can I move this forward? See, watch. See. You know I like to wander. Don't put me... <laughs> Just don't wander too far. You can't put me in a box. You have to understand, I don't like boxes. I feel very trapped. Uh, so uh, in the old days, I used to wander the whole thing, and I'd get real close to the edge, and you'd think I was going to fall, but I won't fall, I promise. And then I'm short, and so this just feels really humbling. <laughs> Part of the apprenticeship at Grace Church, huh, Pastor Zach? Ah, terrific. It's good to see you all. How are you? How are you? <laughs> Yeah, it's good to see you too. Six months. It has been six months I've been on the stage. This is the longest gap between preaching, teaching I've had since high school. 
I think I was 18 the last time I went six months between preaching uh, a sermon. So I might be a little bit rusty. So uh, if I mess up, if I'm slow, if I'm not funny, uh, I apologize for that. Also, uh, I'm not used to breaking myself up. So having the first part and having the worship come up, I want to try this because it looks really fun. And the way Pastor Zach does it, it just looks like it's a great way to kind of take a break. and Everyone gets to relax. They say we can only pay attention for 15 minutes max. That's if it's amazing. Say that everything I that comes out of my mouth is like gold, 15 minutes max. If you were here in the old days, you know, I like the hour sermon. That's my favorite space. Uh, if it's good, they'll go with you. If not, they won't, right? But uh, so we're going to try 15 minutes. I'm going to see if I can, if I can figure this out. Uh, about seven months ago, we were having uh, lunches, me and Pastor Zach. I told him, I said, I really have this, this strange urge. I said, I really feel like I want to support a lead pastor. Like, I just want to be there and be a cheerleader, and anything they need, I want to do it. And he looked at me like, what in the world? Uh, I am not a good, uh, what would you call that, um, co-pilot. I don't like the seat on the right, okay? Unless we're in Britain, then I like the seat on the right. But that seat, I don't like having the only steering wheel be the radio. That's not my favorite place. But for some reason, about seven months ago, it started stirring me. I said, like, I really feel like that's what I want to do. And, and uh, so he and I were talking about that because, you know, he, he's been with me for so many years, and he, I don't think he's ever heard me say that. Have you, had you ever heard me say that before? I want to be someone's supporter. I want to be Aaron. I want to hold your arms up, Pastor Zach. And those arms are nice and chunky. <laughs> it's a heavy load. It's a gift. It, it's a heavy load. <laughs> It's a gift to be able to do that with him, and so uh, uh, he and I have been talking this whole time, these uh, six months. Uh, I'm excited to get back with you all. We're going to talk about uh, a great parable today, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Uh, if you know me, you know I love Jesus and the parables of Jesus. Here's why I love the parables of Jesus. Jesus is very difficult to understand, and that's my favorite. Because in the Bible, there's so many things, especially the Apostle Paul, some of the Old Testament scriptures, we feel like it's so simple. Well, obviously Paul meant this when he said that. But with Jesus, he has this way of throwing these stories out there, and you're going, and what's the point of that? It's always really kind of stunned me how few teachers and, and pastors teach the parables, which is why I, I love Pastor Zach so much and, and this house so much. We really put heavy weight on the words of Jesus, the words that are in the red. And with this parable, it's, it's the same way. There's so many question marks. What in the world is he talking about? And in the parables, they almost always start and end this way. They start with people going, oh, so of course you mean this, and they end with people going, what? Okay, so why is this what you're doing? And so uh, what actually takes place in the scriptures around this parable, this is where Jesus actually takes them aside, and the, 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 uh, the apostles are asking him, why are you always speaking in riddles? What is the point? So Jesus has this famous saying, those who have ears hear, those who have eyes see. And everyone goes, what's that mean? There's something to be seen, something to be felt. There's a deeper truth that's always hidden inside these parables that you can't fully experience it until you've already experienced it. Everyone goes, and again, parables, right? There are things that don't fully settle into your soul. They don't fully make sense until you've had it, right? Um, I always 
knew that I was ready for marriage. When I was 15, I'm afraid that my oldest son's the same way. He's going to fall in love at like 12. It's coming down the road. I can already tell. And I knew that I, I knew exactly what it was to be a husband. Amen. I knew exactly what marriage was going to be like. I knew it was going to be like to be a dad or be a pastor. I knew, I knew everything before I ever experienced it. And everyone's going, sure you did, right? There is a knowing and then there's a, a knowing, right? There's something that you see that you can only see after you've seen it. After you've had a moment where that idea, that thought, it actually became a memory, an experience. It's almost like until certain things touch you, you can't really touch them. You don't really understand what it is yet. You don't quite see it yet. And with this parable, this is what we're talking about. So in this parable, it's similar to most of the others, where we have various layers of truth. So uh, we had uh, the Holy Week last week. And on Easter, we talk about one of the deepest truths in the Scriptures, life, death, resurrection. But even that cycle of truth isn't just a truth on its own, right? Who has seen um, The Lion King? Anybody? Okay, good. Simba. Right? You know what I'm talking about? The circle of life. Funny, but we're talking about the same thing. There is something about the gazelle. It dances and frolics, eats grass, and then what happens to it? Discovery Channel, and you cover your children's eyes, right? It gets caught by the line, and yeah, you get the idea. Life, death, and then what happens about, you know, three years later? That body has been spread into the earth, grows back up in the grass. Who eats it? It's, it's grandchild. <laughs> and then what happens again? You see it? There are truths that we see in the Scriptures that operate at different levels. It's not just uh, one-dimensional. So in this passage of the wheat and the tares, who has ever gardened, planted, heard about gardening, farming? You get the, you get the idea, right? Would it be wonderful if you could just take your seed and you spread it, right? You water it, the sun comes, and it just sprouts like a Disney movie, right? Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, the rose... Is that how it works? The amazing thing about this is the moment that you throw that seed at it, the moment you begin to work the soil, you begin to water it, the sun begins to bathe it, the same things that provide the energy for the flower to bloom are the same things that provide the energy for the weeds to choke it out. What kind of world is this where a beautiful gazelle having a joyride and then it's, you know, what kind of world is this where we can have these beautiful flowers and then see this weed circle it and choke it out? What is wrong with this place, right? This parable is not just talking about truth in a single dimension. And so this parable we're talking about, first thing that we talk about is we're talking about our expectations. Uh, as the parable begins, the first character who's speaking are the slaves or the servants. And the first thing that they say is, hey, so shouldn't we stop the weeds? Shouldn't we be able to only sow the wheat? Why, God, are you allowing these weeds, these tares to grow in the same soil 
as the wheat. And so these expectations are, how you say that about expectations? It's one of those things that are always there, but we don't know it until we look at it. We walk into every single situation with an expectation of what will come out of it. Just like marriage or parenting or your job or whatever it is, or even expectations of yourselves. We walk into every situation and we have an expectation for what is going to happen. The first thing this parable does is it points out that almost all the time our expectations are unrealistic. We expect to throw that seed, water it, and see all that, you know, the fruits of our labor. So the first thing we're seeing is our expectations are something that need to be addressed. The second thing we're talking about in the parable is we're talking about nature. What's the nature of life? Both wheat and tares. And what's the nature of God? I think we've all had an experience that life has its wheat, has its good, it's the enjoyable, and it has its tares. It has pain and loss. As much as you're able to, unless you have something that's very fresh and would kind of just trigger you, I'd like you to kind of think back to the most recent experience of a tear or a weed. Something in life that if you could control it, you wouldn't have allowed that pain, that loss, that hurt to occur. I mean, heck, I mean, 2020 is a tear, correct? It is a weed. <laughs> that is what the entire year was. If you were in control, if you were God, would you have allowed that tear to be? COVID-19, right? There's something about this. We've all experienced that this world is not fair. It's, it's actually kind of ugly at times, right? Some of the worst advice I've ever heard from pastors or teachers. Well... God must have a reason. Amen, hallelujah, to that gag. That's a holy gag right there. I've been in hospital rooms at funerals, and I've heard you know, people with the best intentions who would say this, you know. God needed another angel. He was running low. <laughs> you know, he couldn't create another one. Ah. <laughs> you know? oh. Oh, well, surely good, you know, like he's got some good that he wants to do in your life. So, you know, when cancer comes, it's because God has something good he wants to do for you. Okay, I hear that. There, there's a very juvenile truth in this parable that we're all going to hear it, but only a few of us are going to have ears to hear it. We're all going to hear it, but only a few of us are going to let this sink in. One of the key points of this parable is it's very intentional to point out who it is who's sowing the seed, the wheat, the good things, and who it is who is sowing the tares, the weeds, the pain, the loss, and the death. It's very intentional to tell you that all of these good things are all coming from our Father God. Our God is good. Now again, your ears just heard that, but are you experiencing that? Is it going deeper than just this idea, yes, yeah, he's good. 
If you think back to every one of these experiences of loss, pain, hurt, disappointment, abandonment, sickness, betrayal, death, in the middle of your experience of those things, of those losses, is there any part of you that believes that it was God who had a role in it? For whatever reason. He's doing something good for you. He needs an angel. He has a bigger plan. Don't question God. God's in control. Blah, 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 blah. Is there any part in your story where you are blaming God for your pain? This is very important. This parable wants to address this. The word we have in the scriptures for who is responsible is Satan. This force, this figure, don't think of all the pictures you've seen of this Satan. We're not talking about that. If you're someone who doesn't even like believe in spiritual things or beings, think about laws of nature. There's some, there's a reality, there's something that is real in this world which causes everything to head towards death. There's something wrong here. There's something off about this place. Because the second deeper truth this parable is talking about is that there is a very nature, a fabric of the world, the life that you're in right now that you must learn to understand. You must learn to kind of embrace this. You have to learn that this world has both wheat and tares. This is a world of beauty and of death, of life, of creation of perversion, of loss. This place is wondrous and beautiful, and it is scary and dangerous at the same time. That's the life that we're in right now. There's also things I want to teach you about today, but this is what I want to kind of... Today is not about new ideas or, uh, you know, some kind of great new understanding. Again, it's about kind of letting something soak into us a little bit today. For me, I found the most difficult things for people to learn, including myself, starting with myself, are the most simple ones. God is good. The nature, the very, the essence, the engine inside of this being, this person. It, in the parable, it calls God someone. He's a someone. This someone if you don't know all the things about this God, if you don't know anything about this God, this person, the first starting block is this. What if this God was fundamentally, through and through, good? Good. And so, what's so difficult about this parable, though? is that it doesn't offer us a solution. Okay, so there's wheat and there's tares, but there's a miracle grow, okay? If you will take this and water your grass, speak some positive confessions, read a few verses over that baby, gone. Boom, it's like OxyClean, right? Whatever. Tares gone. Wrinkles gone. <laughs> Whatever, right? Debt gone. Yeah. You can sense this kind of a heaviness in the air um, 
in these parables because all the hearers are waiting for the but at the end. Okay, in this world, there's life and death, and, you're, you know, there's pain, but there's also, you know, joy. And he just walks off. Everyone's going, but what? Where's the snake oil? Come on. Where's my three steps to my best life now, Jesus? What do you got? If you think, if you just kind of look around the fabric of our society, we are all about trying to avoid the tears in life. It's natural. It's, 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 it's part of being human. But everything that we spend our energy and our time and our money on, we're trying to keep our eyes and our emotions away from the parts of this life that are ugly, the weeds. There's something so, like, foundationally overwhelming about accepting that we live in a world that has these weeds. Worship team, I want to invite you guys to come on up. So here's what this parable says to us. You live in a world that is full of good and evil, of life and death, of gifts and of loss. There's no solution to this. You don't have the power to control this. You went into your life expecting a world, a life where everything went well for you. When you graduated high school, you expected things to go well for you. When you found that person that you wanted to marry, you expected things to go well for you. When you found that, you know, if, if your job was terrible, you expected that next job. If I could just get that job, that job, everything would go well for me. It'd be all wheat, all wheat. And we've gone into every part of ourselves expecting more. Even with ourselves in the mirror, we expect more from ourselves. Even, the one, even those of us in the room who hate ourselves. I think it was Pastor Zach talking about, uh, what's the phrase you use for it? It's almost like uh, uh, self-directed uh, love. Is that what it was? Something like that. Inward curved love. Even those of us who hate what we see in the mirror, we hate it because we expect all wheat, at least more wheat, right? And all we see is tares, all we see is weeds, right? Pimples and wrinkles and such, right? Come on. We expect more from ourselves. I should be here. I should be like that. This, this, this should not be the way that it is, but it is. And so the only thing that we're offered in this parable is we're offered an option to choose. Are we going to choose to face lo the loss and the death and the pain of life and to constantly be trying to live in denial, constantly trying to live in the past, always trying to wish it away, always trying to go back and just wish that you could have been in control, that you could have changed it, that it could have gone a different way? trying to blame whoever's fault it was that things didn't turn out the way that your expectations told you it would. Or we can choose the second option. Hope. Because the parable doesn't end with a field of wheat and of weeds. It ends with a farmer, with someone who's in control, 
who in the end comes through and removes all the tares. This life is what it is. The gospel isn't about us transforming this life to be the next life. It's about us living this life faithfully, waiting for the next life, sharing the news of what's to come, being people who are full of hope. I don't know a lot of Christians who are full of hope. I know a lot of Christians who talk a lot about the past, the way things used to be. If it could only be like it was. I know far more Christians who live in the past than those who live in the future. And I know very few who live in the present. So as we go back into worship for a little bit and we kind of let this soak into us, if you think back to the loss, the most recent kind of sting in your soul, the things that you've already tried to bury and to ignore, you're just trying to survive and get, get distance between you and it. Are you willing to hope again? To let God move in you in such a way that you will begin to gain excitement for what's to come? I warn you, starting to warm up a little bit. We could close it now, but if I keep going, I'm going to be here for another hour. It's been six months. I've got the preacher's itch, you guys. I have a tool I want to give you. I want to, it's one thing to talk about something and to name it and to kind of point at it and, you know, try to, to kind of get our, our minds around something. But I want to give you a tool to use in life. Uh, there is a way to begin to apply this reality. It's almost like we practice it. It's almost like you've heard that somewhere from some pastor before. There's spiritual disciplines we practice. I have a tool for you. I want you to picture in your mind your favorite fruit tree or flower or bush, whatever it is, if you're one of those like, you know, whatever that thing is that when you see it, that's beautiful. Picture it in your mind. Fruit tree, bush, a vine, a wine, grapevine maybe. you Catholics in the room, right? And so as you see that, that flower, that tree, that bush, that vine, I want you to now picture it surrounded by weeds and by thorns. Hard to get to. You can almost barely see it. If there were fruit or if that, if that flower was blooming, you can hardly see the color through all the, the brown and the nasty gray of these weeds and these thorns. As you look at your past, all of those experiences that were full of weeds and thorns and thistles, loss, hurt, rejection, your expectations, your enthusiasm, excitement of how amazing it was going to be and God was going to show up or things were going to finally work for you and then it didn't. It, it didn't go that way. Someone who was taken from you, a job opportunity, whatever it was, whatever that thing was that caused you pain. In your past, there are memories and experiences that still to this day hold fruit 
there are flowers or fruit trees that are still blooming in those memories and those experiences that you had, but you have not tasted it, you have not seen it, you have not smelled it, because you've stayed away from it. You've allowed the weeds, the thorns, thistles to keep you out of it. So even now, even right now, there are people in your life who used to mean a lot to you who you don't even see anymore because of those weeds. There are experiences with people who you loved so much that you lost. There are, there is thankfulness. There are sweet memories of experience and joy with those people. There is an appreciation. There's a deep healing waiting for you in your past, but you won't even touch that place because of those weeds. If you would allow yourself, if you put your gloves on, start pulling, start separating, you know, make a path. The ultimate truth, the deepest truth in this parable, the wheat always grows with the weeds. And it's your choice. Are you going to give up the wheat because of the weeds? Or are you going to take your father's example? Are you going to wait? You allow it to grow together, and then when it's time, you're willing to take the effort and the time and maybe even the pain to sort through, to go through it. In your future, in your future, the same tool. There's a flower, there's a fruit tree, there's so many good things that could be had for you that are coming that you don't see yet. What will you do the moment you see weeds? there's a job opportunity, there's a friendship, if there is some kind of opportunity for good in your life, but it takes risking more pain, more loss. There's some of you right now, there's so much good that you could experience this year, in the next two years, next 10 years. There's so much that God is still the good God who is trying to sow all of these good things around you. But because of the wheat, because of the weeds or the, the tares, the thorns of the past, you are not willing to risk being hurt again, being disappointed again, loss again, misunderstanding again. I can't go through that again. But all you're thinking about are the weeds. That sentence, I can't do that again. All that's about is the weeds. You're present where you are right now. There are people around you in this room. Every person in this room uses tools as you look at them. Every person in this room is that flower or that fruit tree. But I want you to know right now, every person in this, in this room, the one behind you in front of you, the one on the stage, the one to your left or right, they've got thorns all over them. <laughs> Weeds all over them. Tears all, all over. <laughs> but there's also good there, too. There's that, that sweet smell of that flower that's blooming, that, 
that taste of fruit that's just turned ripe. It's all around you. This tool, I encourage you to use it. Every time that you're sitting down with a human being, with a person across from you, see this. That flower, that fruit, they are there. It's right in front of you. It's right there to have. You could have that. You could experience that. You could savor that. But you're going to have to accept that with the wheat comes the weeds. In every experience and opportunity that you have right now and you have coming down the road for you, there's good for you. There is a Father who is around you whose very nature is goodness, who is sowing goodness all around you. But you have a choice. You can choose to accept the good, to risk again, knowing that with the good will come some pain. Or you can choose just to step back. But here's the ultimate reality of that. It doesn't matter what you choose to do. Whether you choose to lean in, to risk, to, to pull the weeds, to sort through, to go through the thorns and the briars, to get to the fruit. It doesn't matter whether you choose it or not. Here's one thing that will happen to you. If you continue to breathe after this day, you will have more weeds no matter what. You can lock yourself in your house. You can do 2020 quarantine all over again for 2021, and you will still have loss. You will still have pain. You will still be disappointed. The only thing that's going to change is you will not have joy. You will not experience what it's like to see God send a gift your way. That goodness, that life, that joy, that lightness, that will be gone. That newness, that will be gone. The only choice we have in this life is hope. When I meet that next person, I'm going to be hopeful. When I go into this next job opportunity, I'm going to be hopeful. When I look at myself in the mirror and I wish that I were farther along, that I wish that I was someone more, I wish that there was more wheat and less weeds, I'm going to be hopeful because I know one thing. I can't control even this person. I can do all the spiritual disciplines on the earth, and I still can't control everything happening just in me and in my life. But what I can do is accept that while there is bad, there is death and there's evil, there's also good. And there is a God who is fully good. And that if I'm willing to allow it, I can allow that God to sow all sorts of good into my life. Knowing that all the loss I will experience, there is hope because in this next life, when the God that is good goes into every place of pain and loss and hurt, he will restore. He will. But even in this life, there's good. Even in this life, there's healing. Even in this life, there, there's new creation, new things to be had. Would you stand with me? If you would look on your seat, there's Jesus in a cup. <laughs> straight from China, Wuhan province, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just messing. There's a line 
in the song that we were just singing. Jesus, you don't owe me a thing. And your story of your life, where there are all those places in your past where there are weeds and thorns and thistles, I am pretty sure of this. If you haven't done the process of going into those areas of loss and pain in your life, if you haven't allowed yourself to, to go through it and to pull out the good with the bad, there's probably a part of you that still believes that it's God's fault. There's probably a part of you that still looks back at some of the most painful moments of your life and still believes that in some way, shape, or form, God owes you. He shouldn't have allowed that to happen. And so as we go into this, into the Eucharistic communion, the idea of to step into fellowship, connection with God, we need to do it honestly today. If there's any part of your life where you feel like you, you blame God, let's take that to Him. Father, we come to you. We thank you for your Son. With this wafer, we remember the body of your Son that was given for us. The ultimate reminder that you are a God of love, that you are good. Only good and perfect things come from you. So we get ready to take this juice. That second thing we're talking about. What will you choose? Are you willing to go into your past and dig up those painful memories, knowing that there's good and there's healing there? There's all sorts of beautiful flowers and fruit to be had. Will you embrace the good around you, risking being hurt again? Are you going to go into the future expecting good things from God, or are you going into your future expecting only weeds? Father, we thank you for the juice, the fruit of the vine, reminder of the blood of your Son spilled for us, not just because you love us, but the blood is a promise that even in pain, even in death, you are bringing new life, new joy, new healing, new opportunities. You are the God who makes all things new. All right. And everyone said, amen. Be blessed. Have a good week. <laughs> Enjoy those uh, weeds and the wheat. Amen. See you next Sunday.